Chapter Eleven of Daylight Land by W. H. H. Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: Nameless Mountains. Hills piled on hills, on mountains mountains lie. From the gap, but a little way beyond the beautiful Kananaskis Falls, to Yale at the outlet of the celebrated Fraser Canyon, is nearly five hundred miles and it is a very moderate statement to say that nowhere else on this continent or in europe can the tourist see from his parlor car such a magnificent exhibition of mountain scenery here is a section of the transcontinental journey in respect to which the traveller can experience no disappointment it is not only that he is constantly running along the base of mountains of gigantic size and immense altitude by which he is stimulated and impressed but these mountains are of every shape and color present themselves to the eye in an infinite variety of appearance and are individualized by strong novel and imposing characteristics here stands one of such immense bulk and height holding such a relation to the line of travel that it dominates the landscape and fills the gazer's horizon from edge to edge passing this monstrous obstruction to the vision the eye suddenly beholds a range pinnacled with eternal snow and flashing crests of ice whose brilliancy is a reflection of ages anon he is whirled around a curve on a track so cut into the beetling cliffs that at a distance it looks like a dark thread spun on the air and drifted by the wind against a perpendicular wall and lo he is in the midst of a hundred mountains tumbled promiscuously together a vast jumble of chaotic misplacement at one moment he is rolling swiftly down a valley as green with springing verdure as odorous with flowers as peaceful and lonely as the happy valley of rasselas above it the bluest of skies and the brightest of suns with a flashing river running with musical ripplings through its centre and at the next the train is groping its way along a narrow gorge cut sheer through a mountain range at the level of its base with the black rocky sides rising abruptly thousands of feet on either hand a river of vast volume outracing the train at his side here running in white flights there whirling in dark pools while all the black air is filled with its hoarse complaining and explosions of thunderous rage now it is a lonely lake with its beaches and its sedges its islands and its reflections of sky and cloud and mountain and its signs of swimming flying life which charms him anon he gazes entranced amazed breathless at a glacier hanging in white green flashing loveliness ten thousand feet above him or looks with awe upon a valley between two ranges filled for miles and miles with snow to the very peaks as he remembers that the human race is not so old as that thawless field before him such another five hundred miles of travelling is not to be had on the face of the earth if this strikes the reader as an exaggeration as it may many i can only say that it is not it is a simple statement of an extraordinary fact a statement which every traveller whose knowledge of the globe is adequate for comparison who has been over these five hundred miles will confirm he who journeys from kananaskis falls to fraser canyon will experience sensations however blasé with world-wide travel he may be against which his indurated nerves are not proof we four the inseparables as the man from new hampshire facetiously called us left banff with bright anticipations 
our eyes were as open to see and our spirits as buoyant as if we were boys we had had a week of pleasure at the palace of delight as the judge poetically named the huge hostelry among the mountains and our last night had been one of rollicking enjoyment in our dispositions we typed the best habit of americans when travelling the habit of self-surrender to the enjoyment of the hour there can be no question on one point concerning our countrymen they are the best travellers in the world not because they travel the most and spend money the freest when journeying but because they get more knowledge and happiness out of travel than any other people the inconveniences and deprivations which roughen the temper of the average englishman only quicken the humour of the yankee and supply him with entertainment he travels as a bird flies utilising to his enjoyment the opposition of adverse currents feeds contentedly on the wing and sleeps restfully on any perch to which the flaws or whirlwinds of unlucky happenings by day or night have gustily blown him the world likes him and he likes the world and hence he finds welcome everywhere and the welcome he gets he thoroughly enjoys like a snail he carries his home around with him on his back and easily adjusts himself to any condition of shine or shade the happiest mortal one can meet with is an american in his travels speaking but one language and that indifferently well he hobnobs cheerfully with all nations uses with the courage of ignorance all languages and makes fast friends wherever he goes we started from banff in the best of spirits had we been in sombre mood even the extraordinary vision of beauty and the sublimity we held would have speedily brightened it for the sun was just rising above the eastern mountains and the freshness of morning was on the world and in the air around us our course lay along the pebbly banks of the sparkling bow and up a forest valley we skirted the vermilion lakes and ran along in full view of mount massive and the snowy peaks above simpson's pass we whirled around a curve and the eastern view of pilot mountain flashed whitely upon us and then in a moment the castle jumped into sight and studied with delighted eyes its mighty precipice its embattled turrets and shapes of fantastic armament we were wise enough to be boys we felt no indifference and we assumed none we were expectant receptive full of happy anticipations with unjaded nerves eager to break voice in our excitement as a young highly bred hound in his first race judge i said looking into his flushed face as he gazed with delighted eyes at the reflection of a mountain in a small lake pool lying waveless at its base judge how old are you this morning sixteen only sixteen thank god he cried this is my first vacation out of dartmouth exclaimed colonel goff and he swung his hat and yelled like a freshman after miraculously passing his first term examination we were all looking for the first glacier there it is i cried suddenly and i pointed through the gap towards the lofty peak of mount hector like a river it lay a river at full flow which had been frozen solid as it rolled onward and downward frozen solid and broken off leaving only a crystallized section exposed to the eye it was white with green lights shot through its fractured and curved extremity crescent shaped at the end a monstrous motion suddenly solidified as it plunged downward and fixed forever in the spot where it hung suspended high up and far off in the air above the forest above the great bulk of the mountain 
from the very peak hung that strange monumental appearance a miracle of nature a mystery of the elements a wonder to the tourist like the vision of a poet or a dream of uneasy slumber glacier after glacier we saw after that as we rolled onward through this region of marvellous appearances this land of enchantment many larger many higher many more lovely more imposing but none of the hundreds we looked upon later impressed us more powerfully or fixed themselves with deeper impression upon the memory than this first one we saw chained to the crest of mount hector we were now nearing the summit the grade rose steeply the huge engine clomb laboriously upward it breathed heavily like a chopper in prolonged effort when his axe cuts to the centre of the tree and with quickening blood and persistent strokes he delivers each successive blow more fiercely the cliffs panted back to it now and then its circular feet slipped but clung desperately to the rails that engine has good grit said mr pepperell how it hangs to it i feel as if i would like to get out and push replied the judge do it judge said the man from new hampshire i'll sit on this comp stool and hold your coat colonel goff returned the judge sternly the court finds you a reina victoria for that contemptuous remark all the sentences of this court end in smoke i notice retorted the colonel as he handed the judge his cigar case here we are at summit lake i exclaimed and even as i spoke the engine ceased to pant and the train began to ease itself along swiftly how beautiful is a pool among the mountains small as it may be how it can collect and reflect the great world above and around it it may not be as big as a cliff and yet a hundred cliffs are in it a single pine may bridge it nevertheless it accommodates miles upon miles of forest small as it is the great sun comes and bathes in its depth acres of clouds float through it the sky the numberless hills with all their countless trees the mountains so vast their innumerable peaks within its scant space all are grouped and none are crowded sweet miracle of the woods placid mirror of the hills and skies gentle eye of the forest upon whose clear retina is focused the sublimities of heaven and the beauties of surrounding earth how often hast thou lost me game and sport because thy loveliness held me pensive at thy grassy rim i wish cried the judge i wish i could stay a week here and do nothing but sit on the shore of that little lake and gaze into its depths and i wish i could be the artist to sketch you in that position said colonel goff dryly if i should put you in the foreground you would hide the whole lake downward we rolled we glided smoothly onward as a wing in easy flight cleaves the air this is poetry in motion cried the judge we are floating around this mountain's verge as if we were in a balloon look at this mr pepperell exclaimed here is a picture that money can't buy we were crossing the gorge of the wapta river and the sublime scenery which characterizes this section was opening up ahead of us the train was running very slowly creeping firmly but carefully along it seemed to be conscious and to be clinging tightly and safely to the mountain around whose awful curvature it was making its way with practised fortitude 
it suggested a sailor busily knotting a reef at the yard's end it is a frightful suspension but safe to him at the right of us the mountain sloped downward sharply a clean ten thousand feet to the left it rose nearly sheer upward eight times as far a black cloud smothered its summit from a hundred gazing eyes within its enveloping blackness a glacier lay white cold and pulseless in its eternal swoon suppose it should be suddenly shocked into life and motion and plunge wildly downward how it fascinates you to imagine the terrible when you are safe to the north a valley wide far-reaching immense a landscape in itself unexplored stretched away in magnificent perspective to distant peaks white with snow that will never melt far up this valley lifted high among nameless summits standing like grouped spear-points was a glacier wide as a frozen sea deep as an ocean unvisited as yet by man half of it in black shadow half flashing with blinding whiteness under the sun a mute challenge to the courage the skill and the science of the continent to come and measure and name it ahead of us mount field reared high its black summit then rose cathedral mount upon us faded from sight and came again into view as we glided onward a majestic solemn suggestive presentation of massive bulk and altitude it made standing out in clear sharply edged outlines against the blue sky while above all loftier noble more varied and impressive rose the vast mass known as mount stephen none may describe this mountain it is not like its fellows round about it it is not like common mountains it has an individuality all its own our artist has caught its spirit and given a resemblance but what a remove from the real mount stephen itself it is not a mountain to be put in a book to be printed on a page to be hung on a wall some mountains lend themselves kindly to such patronizing treatment but mount stephen is not of the sort it cannot be translated from the wilderness and the sky onto canvas it cannot be snatched from its envelopment of clouds and hung from a peg on a parlor wall it cannot be coaxed from its native sunshine and shipped to boston per express it is a mountain to go to to visit to see brilliantly revealed in the sunlight to gaze at dimly outlined in the dark to behold in the light of dawn in the red of sunset under the stars of night when the moon closes it in white splendor from summit to baseline go and see mount stephen so and you shall find in the vision the memory of a lifetime end of chapter eleven